0: Book one Chapter eleven of Michael Strogoff by Jules Verne. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter eleven. Travelers in Distress. During the momentary lull which followed, shouts could be distinctly heard from farther on, at no great distance from the Tarantas. It was an earnest appeal, evidently from some traveller in distress. Michael listened attentively. The Yemshik also listened, but shook his head as though it was impossible to help.
1: They are travellers calling for aid,
0: cried Nadia. They can expect nothing, replied the Emshik.
2: Why not? cried Michael. Ought not we do for them what they would do for us under similar circumstances? Surely you will not risk the carriage and horse. I will go on foot, replied Michael, interrupting the
1: I will go too, brother,
2: said the young girl. No, remain here, Nadia. The Imshik will stay with you. I do not wish to leave him alone. I will stay, replied Nadia. Whatever happens, do not leave this spot.
1: You will find me where I now am.
0: Michael pressed her hand and, turning the corner of the slope, disappeared in the darkness. Your brother is wrong, said the Imsik
1: he is right
0: replied nadia simply meanwhile strogoff strode rapidly on if he was in a great hurry to aid the travelers he was also very anxious to know who it was that had not been hindered from starting by the storm for he had no doubt that the cries came from the telga which had so long preceded him the rain had stopped but the storm was raging with redoubled fury the shouts borne on the air became more distinct nothing was to be seen of the pass in which nadia remained the road wound along and the squalls checked by the corners formed eddies highly dangerous to pass which without being taken off his legs michael had to use his utmost strength he soon perceived that the travelers whose shouts he had heard were at no great distance even then on account of the darkness michael could not see them yet he heard distinctly their words this is what he heard and what cost him some surprise
1: are you coming back blockhead you shall have a taste of the note at the next stage do you hear you devil's postillion hullo below this is how a carriage takes you in this country yes this is what you call a telga oh that abominable driver he goes on and does not appear to have discovered that he has left us behind to deceive me too me an honourable englishman i will make a complaint at the chancellor's office and have the fellow hanged
0: this was said in a very angry tone but was suddenly interrupted by a burst of laughter from his companion who exclaimed
1: well this is a good joke i must say you venture to laugh
0: said the briton angrily
1: certainly my dear confrere and at most heartily but my word i never saw anything to come up to it
0: just then a crashing clap of thunder re-echoed through the defile and then died away among the distant peaks when the sound of the last growl had ceased the merry voice went on
1: yes it is undoubtedly a good joke this machine certainly never came from france nor from england
0: replied the other on the road by the light of the flashes michael saw twenty yards from him two travelers seated side by side in a most peculiar vehicle the wheels of which were deeply embedded in the ruts formed in the road he approached them the one grinning from ear to ear and the other gloomily contemplating his situation and recognized them as the two reporters who had been his companions on board the caucasus
1: good morning to you sir
0: cried the frenchman
1: delighted to see you here let me introduce you to my intimate enemy monsieur blount
0: the english reporter bowed and was about to introduce in his turn his companion alcide jolivet in accordance with the rules of society when michael interrupted him
2: perfectly unnecessary sir we already know each other for we travelled together on the volga
1: ah yes exactly so monsieur
2: nicholas korpanoff merchant of irkutsk but may i know what has happened which though a misfortune to your companion amuses you so much
1: C'est un mot, Monsieur kopanoff
2: replied alcide
1: fancy our driver has gone off with the front part of this carriage and let us quietly seated in the back part so here we are in the verse half of the telga no driver no horses is it not a joke no joke at all
0: said the englishman
1: indeed it is my dear fellow you do not know how to look at the bright set of things how pray are we to go on
0: asked blount
1: this is the easiest thing in the world
0: replied alcide
1: go and harness yourself to what remains of our cart i will take the reins and call you my little pigeon like a true yamsik and you will trot off like a real horse. mr jolivet
0: replied the englishman
1: this joking is going too far it passes all limits and now do be quiet my dear sir when you are done up i will take your place and call me a broken-winded snail and fainter hearted torches if i don't take you over the ground at a rattling pace
0: alcide said all this with such perfect good-humour that michael could not help
2: smiling gentlemen said he here is a better plan we have now reached the highest ridge of the ural chain and thus have merely to descend the slopes of the mountain my carriage is close by only two hundred yards behind i will lend you one of my horses harness it to the remains of the Talga. and tomorrow if no accident befalls us we will arrive together at Ekaterinburg.
1: that monsieur Kupanov,
2: said alcide
1: is indeed a generous proposal
2: indeed sir replied michael i would willingly offer you places in my tarantas, but it will only hold two and my sister and I already fill it. Really, sir? answered Alcide.
1: With our horse and our demi-telga, we will go to the world's end. Sir?
0: said Harry Blount.
1: We most willingly accept your kind offer, and, as to that I am, Shik.
2: Oh, I assure you that you are not the first travelers who have met with a similar misfortune, replied Michael.
1: But why should not our driver come back? He knows perfectly well that he has left us behind, wretch that he is.
2: He he never suspected such a thing
1: but the fellow not know that he was leaving the better half of his telga behind
2: not a bit and in all good faith is driving the forepart into ekaterinburg
1: did i not tell you that it was a good joke confrere
2: cried alcide then gentlemen if you will follow me said michael we will return to my carriage and-but the telga observed the englishman
1: there is not the slightest fear that it will fly away my dear blount
0: exclaimed alcide
1: it had taken such good root in the ground that if we left it until next spring it would begin to bud
2: come then gentlemen said michael strogoff and we will bring up the tarantass the frenchman and the englishman descending
0: from their seats no longer the hinder one since the front had taken its departure followed michael walking along alcide jolivet chattered away as usual with his
2: invariable good-humour
1: Face, Monsieur Kopanoff," said he. "You have indeed got us out of a bad scrape.
2: I have only done, sir," replied Michael. "What any one would have done in my place."
1: "Well, sir, you have done us a good turn. And if you are going farther, we may possibly meet again." and
0: Alcide Jolivet did not put any direct question to Michael as to where he was going, but the latter, not wishing it to be suspected that he had anything to conceal, at once replied, "I am bound for Omsk, gentlemen."
1: "Monsieur Blount and I,"
0: replied Alcide
1: of a certainly to be found and without doubt news also
0: to the invaded provinces asked michael with some earnestness
1: exactly so monsieur Kopanoff, and we may possibly meet sir
2: indeed sir replied michael i have little love for cannon-balls or lance points and am by nature too great a lover of peace to venture where fighting is going on
1: i am sorry sir extremely sorry we must only regret that we shall separate so soon but on leaving akaterinberg it may be our fortunate fate to travel together if only for a few days
0: do you go on to omsk asked michael after a moment's reflection
1: we know nothing as yet
0: replied alcide
1: but we will certainly go on as far as Ishim, and once there our movements must depend on circumstances
2: well then gentlemen said michael we will be fellow-travellers as far as Ishim."
0: Michael would certainly have preferred to travel alone, but he could not, without appearing at least singular, seek to separate himself from the two reporters who were taking the same road that he was. Besides, since Alcide and his companion intended to make some stay at Ishim, he thought it rather convenient than otherwise to make that part of the journey in their company. Then, in an indifferent tone, he asked,
2: Do you know, with any certainty, where this Tartar invasion is? Indeed, sir, replied Alcide,
1: we only know what they said at Pram. The Farkan Tartars have invaded the whole province of Semipolatinsk, and for some days, by forced marches, have been descending the Artish. You must hurry if you wish to get to Omsk before them.
0: Indeed, I must, replied Michael.
1: It is reported also that Colonel Ogareff has succeeded in passing the frontier in disguise, and that he will not be slow in joining the Tartar chief in the revolted country
2: but how do they
0: know it asked michael whom this news more or less true, so directly concerned
1: oh as these things are always known
2: replied alcide
1: it is in the air
2: then have you really reason to think that colonel ogareff is in siberia
1: i myself have heard it said that he was to take the road from Kazan to ekaterinburg ah you know that mr jolivet
0: said harry blount roused from his silence i knew it replied alcide
1: and do you know that he went disguised as a gipsy
0: asked blount as a gipsy exclaimed michael almost involuntarily and he suddenly remembered the look of the old bohemian at nizhny novgorod his voyage on board the caucasus and his disembarking at kazan
1: just well enough to take a few more marks on the subject in a letter to Makozim,
0: replied alcide smiling
1: you lost no time at kazan
0: dryly observed the englishman
1: no my dear fellow and while the caucasus was lying in her supply of fuel i was employed in obtaining a store of information
0: michael no longer listened to the repartee which harry blount and alcide exchanged he was thinking of the gipsy troop of the old cigane whose face he had not been able to see and of the strange woman who accompanied him and then of the peculiar glance which she had cast at him suddenly close by he heard a pistol shot ah forward sirs cried he hello said alcide to himself
1: this quiet merchant, who always avoids violets is in a great hurry to go where they are flying about just now
0: quickly followed by harry blount who was not a man to be behind in danger he dashed after michael in another instant the three were opposite the projecting rock which protected the tarantas at the turning of the road a clump of pines struck by the lightning was still burning there was no one to be seen however michael was not mistaken suddenly a dreadful growling was heard and then another report a bear cried michael who could not mistake the growling nadia. nadia and drawing his cutlass from his belt michael bounded round the buttress behind which the young girl had promised to wait the pines completely enveloped in flames threw a wild glare on the scene as michael reached the tarantas a huge animal retreated towards him it was a monstrous bear the tempest had driven it from the woods and it had come to seek refuge in this cave doubtless its habitual retreat which nadia then occupied two of the horses terrified at the presence of the enormous creature breaking their traces had escaped and the yamsik thinking only of his beasts leaving nadia face to face with the bear had gone in pursuit of them but the brave girl had not lost her presence of mind the animal which had not at first seen her was attacking the remaining horse nadia leaving the shelter in which she had been crouching had run to the carriage taken one of michael's revolvers and advancing resolutely towards the bear had fired close to it the animal slightly wounded in the shoulder turned on the girl who rushed for protection behind the tarantas but then seeing that the horse was attempting to break its traces and knowing that if it did so and the others were not recovered their journey could not be continued with the most perfect coolness she again approached the bear and as it raised its paws to strike her down gave it the contents of the second barrel this was the report which michael had just heard in an instant he was on the spot another bound and he was between the bear and the girl his arm made one movement upwards and the enormous beast ripped up by that terrible knife fell to the ground a lifeless mass he had executed in splendid style the famous blow of the siberian hunters who endeavored not to damage the precious fare of the bear which fetches a high price
2: you were not wounded sister
0: said michael springing to the side of the young girl no brother replied nadia at that moment the two journalists came up alcide seized the horse's head and in an instant his strong wrist mastered it his companion and he had seen michael's rapid stroke bravo cried alcide
1: for a simple machin monsieur kopanoff you handle the hunter's knife in a most masterly fashion most masterly indeed
0: added blount in siberia replied michael we are obliged to do a little of everything Alcide regarded him attentively. Seen in the bright glare, his knife dripping with blood, his tall figure, his foot firm on the huge carcass, he was indeed worth looking at.
1: A formidable fellow,"
0: said Alcide to himself. Then, advancing respectfully, he saluted the young girl. Nadia bowed slightly. Alcide turned towards his companion.
1: "The sister worthy of the brother," said he. "No, I a bear, I should not meddle with two so brave and so charming."
0: harry blount perfectly upright stood head in hand at some distance his companion's easy manners only increased his usual stiffness at that moment the emshik who had succeeded in recapturing his two horses reappeared he cast a regretful glance at the magnificent animal lying on the ground loth to leave it to the birds of prey and then proceeded once more to harness his team Michael acquainted him with the traveller's situation and his intention of loaning one of the horses. As you please, replied the Emshik. Only you know, two carriages instead of one.
1: All right, my friends,
0: said alcide who understood the insinuation.
1: We will play devil.
0: Then gee up, my turtle doves, cried the emshik. Nadia again took her place in the Tarantas. Michael and his companions followed on foot it was three o'clock the storm still swept with terrific violence across the defile when the first streaks of daybreak appeared the tarantas had reached the telga which was still conscientiously embedded as far as the center of the wheel such being the case it can be easily understood how a sudden jerk would separate the front from the hinder part one of the horses was now harnessed by means of cords to the remains of the telga the reporters took their place on the singular equipage and the two carriages started off they had now only to descend the ural slopes in doing which there was not the slightest difficulty six hours afterwards the two vehicles the tarantas preceding the telga arrived at yekaterinburg nothing worthy of note having happened in the descent the first person the reporters perceived at the door of the post house was their yemshik who appeared to be waiting for them this worthy russian had a fine open countenance and he smilingly approached the travelers and holding out his hand in a quiet tone he demanded the usual pourboire this very cool request roused blount's ire to its highest pitch and had not the Yemshik prudently retreated a straight-out blow of the fist in true british boxing style would have paid his claim of navotku alcide jolivet at this burst of anger laughed as he had never laughed before
1: but the poor devil is quite right he cried he is perfectly right my dear fellow it is not his fault if we did not know how to follow him
0: then drawing several kopecks from his pocket
1: here my friend
0: said he handing them to the yamshik
1: take them if you have not earned them that is not your fault
0: this redoubled mr blount's irritation he even began to speak of a lawsuit against the owner of the telga
1: a lawsuit in russia my dear fellow
0: cried Al-Sid.
1: things must indeed change should it ever be brought to a conclusion did you never hear the story of the vet nurse who claimed payment of twelve months nursing of some poor little infant i never heard it
0: replied harry blount
1: then you do not know what that suckling had become by the time judgment was given in favor of the nurse what was he pray Colonel of the Imperial Guard.
0: At this reply, all burst into a laugh. Alcide, enchanted with his own joke, drew out his notebook and in it wrote the following memorandum, destined to figure in a forthcoming French and Russian dictionary:
1: Telga, a Russian carriage with four wheels. That is when it starts. With two wheels when it arrives at its destination.
0: End of chapter Eleven.